To make your mark in one field is a great achievement, but to start a new business and become award-winning in the process, well, that's just showing off. But today's guest has done just that. Hello and welcome to the Distillers Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Distillers Journal. Allow me to introduce Padstow Distilling, a young distillery business created and run by wine merchant David McWilliam. Padstow Distilling makes a series of small batch award-winning Cornish spirits using local barley in the heart of Cornwall's culinary capital. And since its launch in 2018, Padstow Distilling has grown into a must-visit destination for gin and vodka lovers exploring Padstow year-round. The company's HQ and bar at 17 Duke Street in Padstow has become a hub for those seeking a unique and authentic taste of Cornwall. And Padstow Gin is a gem in Padstow Distilling's portfolio. It's a testament to the dedication of David and his team. Distilled by hand, this exceptional gin is crafted in small batches from locally sourced natural ingredients, foraged along the North Cornwall coastline. And after starting out in 2018, this month, March 2024, marks a monumental moment for the business, which is taking delivery of its inaugural still. But that investment in capital equipment means much more besides. Yes, we have in the last year taken that decision to make a big step. We have contract distilled with Colworth Farm Distillery for a number of years now. They're a great outfit. They do fantastic things with their own potatoes. They're potato farmers. And uh, we had a great opportunity to use Padstow Barley over there to make our lovely gins, to my recipes, etc. But it's time for a little bit of growth. It's not, it's not really kind of growth or grow or die. It's more sort of let's anchor the provenance in Padstow a little better. Let's control our distilling a little better. Let's develop our brand in a slightly stronger manner and have, yeah, just have a little bit more control over what we do and how our whole kind of package fits together. And and, and establishing the distillery in Padstow itself is is a no-brainer, really. It's It was always going to happen. It was more a question of when than, than, than whether. David's journey from a wine waiter at the age of 17 to the founder and head distiller of Padstow Distilling is marked by the relentless pursuit of drinks of quality and provenance. Authenticity is very important and uh, it's always been authentic because of, of what we're using. You know, we're using local barley that's farmed literally a quarter of a mile from where it's drank, <laughs> drunk and the distillery is half an hour away. It's not like it's, uh, you know, in Glasgow or uh, Neath or anywhere else. It, it really is, uh, you know, because brand Cornwall is very strong, we have that really strong Cornish link. And I'm at the distillery all the time, you know, every every batch is monitored very closely. It's more that um, it really does matter, <laughs> especially if we're making a gym with some provenance, uh, with some terroir, that it's actually made by us in the town as well. And that's, uh, that's a really good thing. Yeah, uh, we've got lots of capital still to, to make on that because uh, People are really interested in that in that story. And David has a great level of respect for authenticity, something that is very close to his heart. It's very close. And I, I you know, several years ago, wouldn't have imagined that I could make spirits from, you know, my mate's barley fields. 
but at the same time, you know, over many years, buying branded wine, kind of white label, is just a bit. Well, it's not really me. Being in touch with the grower who makes his own wine, and who who you know makes it all happen on a on a very authentic level is is kind of what we've always done with wine, and and uh, it's lovely to be able to do that in spirits as well. Unusually, the distillery make their own base spirit using the finest local Cornish barley, and all their gins and vodkas are created from this coastal barley grown on the Camel Estuary, above the beach at St George's Well. The story is, is uh, it's, a, it's a sort of a, a very happy one, but also quite an accidental one. When I set up Padstow Wine Company, which is our, our kind of parent, and I'm... I'm uh, uh, we did that in in 2019. I spoke to some spirits producers who, for for whatever reason, weren't swift to get in touch and go, yeah, yeah, we'll work together. This this would be great. And this was not to make my own gin. This was this was to sell their gin. Now I was discussing this with my partner Sarah, and um, her her reaction straight away was, "Well, make your own then." <laughs> to which I laughed and said, "Nah, you don't, no, it, it's really it's 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 complicated, massive investment." Uh, it, it, but you don't just make your own gin. She said, well, I, I, why not? <laughs> you know, she, she didn't think about all the practical stuff. She just thought, just just have a go. So uh, a few phone calls later, I'm chatting with uh, Steve Justo down at Colwith and um, discussing how we can make our, our Padstow Wine Company gin. And of course, uh, so we did that within within a relatively short space of time. And we used their potato base and our own recipe. And yeah, our first bottling was was only a few months away, which is all fine, except that it tasted pretty heavy, quite rich. Uh, potato spirits are, are very different from, from barley or wheat spirits. They're, they're much richer. And the recipe uh, had a lot of botanical loading, which um, I've come to view as being less important for what we do. <laughs> So um, all my friends were like, yeah, your gin's amazing. And, you know, we sold a good 50 bottles, you know, as many as that. Uh, but it was pretty, pretty, um, pretty iffy, should we say. So uh, having launched it, uh, and we did launch at Padstow Farm Shop, Charlie Watson-Smythe, who's the farmer at Chagall's Farm, who owned Padstow Farm Shop, we were having a conversation maybe a month or so later. And he was talking about a certain circular circular economy that he's uh, been sort of trialing with Padstow Brewing Company and they used to buy barley from him and used to give the spent mash back to him to feed to his pigs that didn't work for a number of reasons but he said uh, he said to me then well do you think you can make gin from barley and I went you know I haven't had the first clue but can I have some and try and he, he went and got a Tesco bag kilo of barley and the next thing we're, we're, we're sticking enzymes in it turning it into spirit and then then doing our trials and uh, yeah that was that was the birth of what we now see as Padstow Gin. The botanical recipe that characterizes Padstow Gin combines tradition with the beauty of its location blending juniper citrus and pepper with local Alexanders an ancient coastal plant foraged from the cliffs above the same beach on the western side of the estuary.
with the development of the recipe, we, we, with the, um, the comparatives that we've done with some, some pretty major brands, I've worked out that we've got a, we've got a grown up spirit, but what I really wanted to achieve was the spirit that tasted of Padstow, of, of, uh, here, of where we are. And it was only with the addition of the Alexanders that I picked from the cliffs above the beach. In Padstow, Alexander is like a, a wild fennel. It's like, uh, looks a bit like it's an umbellifera. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a flavor fixer, a bit like Angelica in a gin recipe. Um, and we don't have Angelica in our recipe either. And just a small injection of that. And it, it was very lucky that the, the proportion we used just brought the whole, the whole uh, aroma to life. And suddenly we were transported to, to the cliffs, to that, to that, that place. And that was, that was the, the, the almost tear jerking moment of, wow, <laughs> this is this, this taste of here, this is extraordinary. And the, the plants are growing now uh, quite early because the spring is quite early this year. And you, you do, as you walk along the coast, you have that lovely kind of green, fresh saline aroma in the air. And it's, uh, it's really exciting to, uh, to have that within the spirit. So as much as we talk about terroir and, you know, uh, turning, turning barley into spirit, you're exerting to extremes of heat. It's not like you're, you're pressing grape juice and your skins are forming a major part of your of what you're doing whether you're making white or red wine in fact when you're when you're making spirits you're 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 kind of effectively <laughs> destroying the whole grain and turning it into something completely different so trying to uh, trying to work out how terroir works on a flavor basis is is quite hard really so it's rather nice to be able to reflect a little bit extra in terroir in in the recipe that you're using as well and these creations, popular on a national level, have also been recognised on the international stage too. But that doesn't mean David and the team rest on their laurels. Quite the opposite. It, it's in, it, it's uh, thrilling. It really is thrilling. You, you do get medals when you enter competitions. There is, there is, we all know that. But to get a double gold for our Navy strength was just like, uh, what? <laughs> Seriously, what? Really? Uh, so that was that was really really exciting back in in twenty two, and I guess you know we. I've been tasting wine for years, and you 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 put you put a series of wines together, and you you always pick your best one. So going back to the recipe development, with our new fresh crisp barley spirit, we stuck the old recipe into a you know into a little one liter still, and out came this really bitter rich gin and it was like you know whoa 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 uh, let's let's look at this so we, we we picked apart the recipe and removed actually lots of uh lots of licorice first of all because licorice is is one of those things that a craft distiller will throw in plenty of because it makes a gin taste nice and sweet uh and uh it <laughs> you can taste the gins that have got what i feel is rather too much licorice in. Now, it may be a stylistic choice However, I, I, you know, I, I believe gin should be refreshing, and I, I find those those sweeter, spicier, richer things not always as refreshing as they could be. So, so that was one of the first things to come out, and a, there were a couple of other tweaks as well. Until we got back to a a really crisp, tight, refreshing gin, and we used uh, what did we use for comparison? Uh, Tankery Ten, which has always been a favourite. Sulcum, which is always lovely, bright, peppery style. So uh, we had some we had some really good benchmarks for our tastings 
and it was it was only when it it started tasting like a grown-up gin that I, I i really thought the recipe was uh was close you've got to be you've got to be uh on top of your game all the time one of the things we'll be doing in the next few months especially with the new distillery is um is getting a tasting panel together you know some some really keen clients who are very supportive and love our gin uh, and you know tasting stuff blind with with key competitors and with you know tonic serves all those sorts of things that, that's really important you've, you've got to you've got to keep up there otherwise um, you, you get left behind and it's this pursuit of ongoing improvement that david believes has helped underpin the ongoing popularity of the gin sector yeah, you've, you've touched on there what, what one of the reasons for gin's success is its relatability and its its consistency. I mean, behind the scenes, uh, I think we all know that, that different batches of gin really do taste different for all sorts of reasons. But uh, there is a consistency in gin, which there isn't in wine. You know, wine has vintage, it has variety, it has winemaking styles change, you know, all sorts of different things that, you know, as a consumer, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and pick your brand you know whereas gin you, you know is is pretty reliably consistent for the consumer and that 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 is a, a major reason for its popularity striving for greatness in the gin world is a new challenge for david but one he relishes and his wine background has given him a wealth of experience to work with i think there's a there's a common thread there you know the the, the wine waiter job was extraordinary i mean you do get wine waiters still, but back in 1987, it was. This was a, a lovely kind of good food guide, high-end chef of the year restaurant in Berkshire. And the wine list, although I didn't know at the time, was extraordinary. You know, it had six class growths from Bordeaux on the list. It had extraordinary Grand Cru grower Burgundies. It had the first Australian wines that were coming into the UK. and it really mattered what was in the glass and that has always mattered for me you know the i've i've spent some time working with some some very big box shifters in the wine industry and it's fun it's fun moving huge volumes of stuff but it's not the same as as focusing on what's in the glass and i've now you know i've now got the chance to do that very very directly and that's that's the thread really it's the it's the it's the liquid the liquid's really important I was doing a, um, a little, uh, having a discussion with a guy about premiumization of spirits, and we, we discussed exactly what we were looking at earlier with the, the branding of spirits and how important is the brand. And I said, yeah, very, very important, but for me, liquid, it's got to be liquid. We can't be without a brand, without a pretty bottle and without some, some nice stories, but liquid in the end is, is what we're actually drinking, and that's always been my focus, really. And that laser focus will notch up a level this month with the arrival of their new 50-litre still. It's an important landmark in the Padstow distilling story. And for David, one that means a lot more work to get dug into as well. Well, we've, we've, we've got to transform barley into gin now, uh, which is uh, sounds just really straightforward. I think we both know it isn't. But uh, so we've got, we've got um, a 50-litre still coming from Poland on Friday. Later in the year, we have, and it'll be a matter of weeks rather than months, we've got uh, the full masher, fermenter, pot still, polishing still, because we make our own GNS, so we need, we need to get to 96.5 at least. And all those bits will will be shoehorning into our tiny little space. And uh, yeah, it's it's about getting that 
recipe working because I, d I don't want to be changing our, our original recipe or indeed the any of our recipes to be honest but uh, about ensuring that they work because for the last three years our gin has been rectified on a, an alembic uh, gas fired still which is great copper is great for spirits as we know but I've chosen to go for electrically powered jacketed stills so the heat transfer is very much more gentle so we have uh, far less potential for things like botanical scorching and and uh, those sort of caramelization elements which um, certainly in gin don't work it's whiskey you're looking at different flavor profiles um, and we'll talk about whiskey another time <laughs> because barley whiskey it's a bit of a bit of a no-brainer anyway uh, so yeah we've, we've got a lot of work to do well I've got a lot of work to do because it'll be me it'll be me actually distilling I'm not employing a, a distiller so it'll be uh, it'll be a, a, a lovely steep learning curve but when I'm uh, looking forward to tucking into in the next few weeks. The Distillers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by Tim Sheehan, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks to David McWilliam of Padstow Distilling. <laughs>